Queerness is not a monolith. We are but a small representation of our fabulous community. Thoughts expressed in this podcast are meant to inform, entertain, and provide context in a world full of sound bites and chaotic headlines. The goal? To create a safe space to educate ourselves and our community, learn from our guests, and provide comfort for those out there who may not have an outlet of queer expression. This is Queer Context. Hey, buddy. Hi. How are you? I'm excited. I can't tell. (laughs) Um, This is actually the giddiest that I think that I've ever seen you. This is an experience I've never had before. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, it's just you and me. I know. No. uh, It's exciting. We're not guests on someone else's. Well, we've been talking about it for so long and now it's happening. It's happening. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty stoked. It's happening. (gasps) I mean, we should introduce ourselves or or why don't you introduce me? Um, Yeah. So we have Roger Calderon. Uh, I don't know how to introduce you. Did you did not practice that, did, did you? I did not practice that. Were we supposed to? Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> you know what? This is this is good because this is actually, if, if anyone actually wanted a little glimpse of how we are in real life, yeah. that, that, is, that is us. Yeah, that's pretty on point. <laughs> um, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is Roger Calderon. Uh, yeah. Hometown boy from Arlington, Texas. Thank do you, you. Do you claim Arlington, Texas? Uh, I I say DFW. Okay. You know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. nobody. I mean, you say Arlington and nobody knows what you're talking about. Exactly. Exactly. You know. I'm like home of the Dallas Cowboys, but why aren't they in Dallas? Yeah. I stupid. I know. Yeah. Um. And that was that was a. By the way, that's a terrible intro. I'm very sorry. I it's been okay. More prepared. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's all right. We're going to work through this. I didn't work on mine either. Okay, good. Are That's a lie. You're lying. <laughs> Bitch, I hate this. <laughs> He's wise beyond his years. A master at rolling the cutest little baby blunt. <laughs> and the sexy embodiment of a stressed out college professor. <laughs> Tyler Long. <laughs> so you just put together every descriptor you've ever had of me. Yeah. Okay. Well yeah. done. Well yeah. done. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Okay. I'm gonna come prepared next time. I promise. No, actually, I think this works because I know what you've. I know that you've prepared other things. So. Yes, I have. So it's not like there are just not. things I miss, like how to open and close it. <laughs> you right. know, essential pieces. I know. You know, but I think, I think it's fine because I think the one thing that we wanted to, um, not to give away the secret sauce is we worked on the on the basic structure. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, podcast. we're not people who walk into things completely blind. Right. Of these episodes. I may be a little bit less prepared than you are, but no, no, no. I don't walk I, in blind. No, no. Yeah, right. Exactly. You don't walk in blind. Um, Yeah. But here we are. It's our first podcast. Yeah. First episode of our first podcast. Uh, Queer Context with Roger and Tyler. Yeah. Hi. Hey, buddy. <clears throat> um. So, yeah. So here we are. So we need to tell people. There we go. Who we are. Yeah. <clears throat> we just introduced each other, but I think we need to do a little background of each other and then how we came to be. I'm I'm down with that. Okay. Um, you go first. Yes. Um, so yeah. Uh I mean the entire thing about this podcast is we are two queer uh folks living in Texas. And uh my history uh with Texas is a uh, you know, I, I moved here when I was 10. I moved to East Texas and from Los Angeles. 
and grew up in East Texas. But uh, after in the middle of high school, my family moved to Arlington uh, here in the Dallas Fort Worth area. And then uh, and then I moved away and went to college and in you New went York. to high school. Ten minutes away from where I went. To high yeah. School. Yeah. We were uh, all, ten min- ten minutes and like four years. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. You're yeah. right. Right. Um, but we were, even though we didn't meet till damn near 20 years later, mm-hmm. we were like 10 minutes away from each other for a lot of our life. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it is crazy to think because our dads also worked in journalism. At Motors, the same place. At the same place. At the same time. And yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's, that's kind of my Texas thing. I mean, I went to New York stay for 20 years moved back uh oh my god it's so weird to think that it's almost three years now it'll be three years in november uh that i moved three uh three years ago that's wild um it seems like like five to ten yeah but like you know time stood still for like two time doesn't is doesn't time doesn't exist not after covid yeah like yeah yeah we don't exist with time anymore so that's a little bit i mean that's a little (laughs) bit about me i mean we'll we're kind of going to go into you know our friendship and stuff but that's just that's my introductory bio yeah what about yeah. you and we'll get into the details because yeah. there's a lot more to you than that yeah i'm a I'm, I'm, yeah I'm a, a pleasure to get to know oh what a pleasure what a pleasure what about you sir um i am i've been in fort worth for 12 years i'm from kansas originally i grew up on a farm um splitting my time between two families i am a child of two different families Mm-hmm. My parents uh, uh, were never married and didn't get together or anything, and they both started separate families. So I grew up in the country and grew up in the city in Kansas, in Kansas City. Um, we moved to Texas when I was in middle school, went to Mansfield, and went to college, went back to Kansas for college. And after three years, moved back to Texas because my siblings were still down here and they were really young. Um and yeah, and now I've been here. So it was like 21 when I moved back. And so, oh shit, I got to change what I say. Cause it's cause been you, like 13 yeah, years yeah, now. I think you've been saying 12. Yeah. No. yeah. Wait, so what's the age gap between you and then like your next sibling? Well, I have five siblings total mm-hmm. and they're two different families. Right. So next behind me, I have two siblings by my mother uh, who are behind me and then Behind them are my three siblings by my father. Um, Brandy, shit. Now I'm going to fuck up everybody's age. (laughs) I'm 34. Mm -hmm. Brandy is 30. She turned 30 this year. Okay. Dylan is 28. So your family... I'm looking at you like you know, but Right, but your families didn't... Your families didn't... I'm sorry. Your families did start their own... Your parents yeah. start their own families. <clears throat> should, I, should I go ahead and lay this map out? Because somewhere go I'm going to have to lay the map go out. Go for it. Okay. So. It's the pilot episode. It's it is. Always it's the origin story. Yeah. Um, so I was born. I was a college oopsy. My parents uh, ha- were dating and I happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they luckily had enough sense to try to not to not try to make it work together. Mm-hmm. Um and by the time I turned two, they had both they both got married when I was two and started families mm-hmm. and then started my country mouse life and my city mouse life. Mm-hmm. Um, by my mother, I had a younger sister and a younger brother. 
uh, Brandy and Dylan. Mm-hmm. Brandy, she might be 31. I'm messing up everybody's ages. Uh, Dylan is 28, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then by my father and my stepmother in uh, Kansas City, I had twin younger sisters. Mm-hmm. And so that's Kayla and Taylor. And they mm-hmm. just had their birthday on May 6th. And they are 28 this year, I okay. believe. They're one year behind Dylan. <clears throat> and then... So in, there, there isn't a lot of age gap. No. 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 But I. But the weird thing is they... Well, we're, we've got to get to the last sibling. Mm-hmm. We can't leave Grace out. Oh, I'm sorry. There's one more. I'm sorry. Yeah, I wasn't done. <laughs> so I'm sorry, Grace. So... When we made the move to Texas, it was a very wild, wild summer. A lot happened. Um, I, my mother went through a divorce mm-hmm. uh, with Brandy and Dylan's father, and I moved in full time with my father and stepmother. Mm-hmm. So moved in full time with them. We moved to Texas, and then nope, I screwed up the order. Moved in full time with them. Grace was born. And we moved to Texas all in about three months. Mm-hmm. So our whole family went through a giant shift. And then we started our life in Texas. Okay. So they are all kind of close together, but my families don't mix. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they've never they've never crossed over. There wasn't any... The only time all my family's been in one place is my high school graduation. Um, and uh, yeah. So it's like I have these two separate families and I am close with both of them. I love them both, but mm-hmm. they don't know each other at all. Right. Right. And I think it's funny because no, I mean, I don't think it's funny. Uh, it's interesting when you when we're talking about your family, um, you do refer to your mothers as my Kansas mom and my Texas. Mom. Yeah, <laughs> because it makes it at least it makes it easier for me to understand which one you're talking about. Well, I call them both mom. Right. I mean, my stepmom's been in my life since I was two. Right. And I've lived in the home with both of them at mm-hmm. times. And so I call them both mom. Um, I, I'm not super great at doing that, calling them Kansas and Texas. A lot of my friends will, the, after a couple years, it t- they pick up on the context clues. Is this the piano playing mom or is this the mm-hmm. teacher mom? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. So it's it's a little convoluted, not too convoluted, but... Um, but yeah, that's kind of that's kind of where it came from, and it's a uh, it's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. It's a wild way to grow up, just having two separate lives happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but the blessing of it is that I had a lot of adults looking out for me. Well, and I love that <clears throat> your parents had the wherewithal to understand in college that they were like. We're I mean, not- don't give them that much credit. Okay. <laughs> they were. 20 and 21. Right. Okay, let's not give them all that credit. Right? Okay. Um but yeah, the 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 way things played out was the way that they were supposed to play out. Yeah. And I I was then blessed with um four sets of grandparents. Yeah. Which is something that a lot of people don't get Listen, to say. I didn't have grandfathers. I mean, I did have grandfathers, but um my dad's father left his family when my dad was 15. Mhm. One of those like Mexican vagabonds, mm. you know, that uh, just come, you know, yeah. impregnate my grandmother and then would leave and go do things and drink and probably impregnate other women and come back. Uh, and then my mom's dad uh, was killed. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, all of that was very instrumental in my parents 
and their respective families coming to the United States and California and settling in California uh, until my family moved to Texas in the 90s when the General Motor plant in Los Angeles closed. Mm. So that's what brought us to Texas. Yeah. yeah that's Look at General Motors moving us around. I was a General Motors kid. I will, yeah. I will always say that. Um, General Motors provided my family a very comfortable middle-class life. Yeah. Uh, the General Motors in Van Nuys, the General Motors in Shreveport, the General Motors in Arlington. And I actually have a brother that uh, still works. That still works. That works. Currently. Currently. <laughs> in Arlington. At the General yeah. Motors plant in Arlington. My grandfather worked at the Kansas City one. Okay. And when he retired after 30 years of working there, he then started working as a retiree in Arlington, mm-hmm. which is like the killer money because then they like double pay you because you're getting your like, start your pension but then you're also getting paid to right for your experience um and then him working down here for i think it was like about a year and then yeah my dad got down here i think he interviewed in like may mm-hmm. and we were living here in august yeah like the whole family yeah yeah it was wild we lived in this is a really this is some long lore from the long family <laughs> um i moved down here first with my grandmother and my grandma long and so she got me set up at school, but we didn't have a house yet. And so we were staying at the, I believe it was a Ramada Inn right next to the plant. Okay. Are you familiar with that one? It's directly north of it. Yes. It is a wretched hotel. Mm-hmm. It is terrible. <laughs> and so <laughs> me and my grandmother were just making the best of it because we, you know, had a good time wherever we were going. But then once we got all the family down here and all the babies, it was like, oh, this, we got to get out of here. And then we went to the one that was across the street from the plant. No, was that was Six Flags still was Six Flags up or Six Flags must have been up already. Six, Six Flags was absolutely like up, and Six 60s. Flags Mall was still kicking. Yeah, in fact, that's where we got our couch. Right, <laughs> right. Like people who talk about the Dirty Dillards in Fort Worth over in Ridgemar, that Dirty Dillards has nothing on the Dillards at the Six Flags the Mall. Six Flags Mall. Yeah, <laughs> I, do that. I do remember that. Well, that's a little uh, that's a little Texas. Yeah. Background on us. That's kind of what brought us here and how yeah. we got here. Well, what what actually brought us to this uh, lovely podcast recording studio? Um okay. Well, we didn't know each other until 3 years ago. Right. So, um I guess it was when you started working to help and mm-hmm. they had a little happy hour to introduce you guys to the community. Yeah. And I saw the new gay in town and was like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, he just fell out of New York City mm-hmm. into a very small pond. Yeah. Um, let's let's see what he's about. Let's see what's going on. Mm-hmm. And so we went and got a couple drinks, which was cool. We were getting to know each other. And then COVID happened. Yeah. And I I think it, <clears throat> I think originally I think you like texted me and you were like, are you going as crazy as I am or something like that? Mm-hmm. And then that's when we kind of realized, like, I was like, I'm under the strict protocol because my dad has cancer. Right. And you were like, oh, shit, I'm under strict protocol. Yeah, because both my, my parents are high risk. Right. My my mom had a uh, liver transplant in 2013 and had three small strokes uh, after. But one of the high risk groups were post-transplant um, patients. Yeah. So, um, I mean, because they are on... Um, uh, immunosuppressant medication mm-hmm. or like anti-rejection medication for for new organs. Mm-hmm. So um, so that was you know interesting. But yeah, I totally. Uh, and this was not very long. It was June 
yeah. remember. Uh, no, it must have been earlier. Because no, it was way earlier because way we early shut down in May um, or in March. March. Because we, in June, we had to do Pride. Pride. Um, so it must have been April. And I was very much like, I just need somewhere to go. And yeah. you had a backyard. Well, and you didn't know anybody yet. And yeah. I, my family, we were just so beyond freaked out. And we locked down our borders, <laughs> our family boundaries. Um, but I knew you were operating under the same boundaries. And yeah. so we then, even though we both knew how strict we were, we still had our separate corners of the porch to hang out on. Yeah. And that's where we kind of got to know each other and realized how aligned our interests were and mm -hmm. how much we love our community and how much we want to serve. We have both have servant's heart. We want to help people. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I was having a, uh, I was having a hard time uh, at work just because I just felt like my personality was not kind of gelling with the people that worked there. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that that is, I don't think that that is something that is unknown in well the, in the community you, and no shade this is not shade yeah. but you also had the whiplash of going from new york city to fort worth texas mm -hmm. which has very different uh operating protocol yeah um but also you were supposed to do events and now they weren't doing events and then we weren't doing events you like know. covid there were no events yeah and then um yeah so that was very and i'm very appreciative and actually uh i was very appreciative that our drunk uh, FaceTimes on Friday nights after season 12 of Drag Race. <laughs> <laughs> Let me rephrase. I was drunk. Tyler was high. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's how we fair. how we eked out conversations. Yeah, I mean, like, we were communicating. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's really great. I think this is why we kind of... Um, the way our friendship developed... Uh, I think was really awesome and out of necessity um, because of what was happening in the world. And I think it's kind of why we were um, wanting to talk about like gay friendships on our first, uh, on the first podcast. Um, well, I, I think it's, it's something that I think a lot of gay men specifically struggle with. Mm -hmm. um, we have our own, you know, every community has their own challenges and great things and triumphs or whatever. But um I think making friends and friends that you connect with in an authentic way that, you know, you can trust. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's it's kind of hard out here, yeah. you know, as young gay men. You know, we've been kind of let down sometimes by our families, mm -hmm. our churches, our schools, our teammates, our, 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 our businesses. Like, we've been let down. People and who so we thought were friends. People who we thought we could trust. Yeah. And so... Um, so, yeah, I think when we started kind of realizing, like, oh, this is somebody I can kind of lean on. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was really exciting. Yeah. No, it's been really it's been really great hanging out with you. Um, and I don't know. And that the fact that this is what it's turned into. This little, this know, little podcast. Isn't it kind of crazy? Yeah. That we're like, we're sitting in a studio with, with like our logo looking at us. Well, OK, so then let's talk about. Let's, talk, Let's about talk about the how, queer how our feeling queer context, but also both of our podcast ideas. Yeah. yeah, like we both were both saying that we both wanted to start a podcast. Yep. Um, mine, I was really focused on, you know, how much I love our community, how much I love trying to help people, how mm -hmm. much I love learning as a teacher, and 
you know, specifically our gay queer youth and how they're, we, we miss a lot of, there's a huge gap in our generational support of Mm -hmm. gay kids. Yeah. Um, and so I knew I wanted to do a podcast that somehow spoke to the queer experience, maybe helped gay kids, you know, something that could go along that line. Right. But of course, this was just talking shit on the patio. Like yeah, we hadn't absolutely. really and we fleshed out lot, anything. We talked a lot of shit. Yeah. We talked a lot we of shit. Do. Yeah, on, on that patio. Um, I wanted to do a podcast about Marvel movies and queer show and show tunes, and so that way all the kids could just know their history, <laughs> know because their pop, know their pop culture history. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, through all of those talking shit times on your porch we kind of kind of came to this middle ground of like mm-hmm. wait like but people really need to know the the context of like just what's behind so many of the issues that come out of our community well i mean everybody slims it down to a, a tweet or a tag line. exactly and i think i think there's more to know that we already know but I think with how fast everybody's learning right now, how much we're learning about ourselves, our own community, um, I think that a lot of these conversations deserve some more depth to it. Yeah. Not just, oh, yeah, we're going to we know this now. Well, what do we do with it now? Right. And we need to not be afraid to talk about it because we're not going to get to a solution if we don't create a safe space where we can vulnerably share all of our levels of understanding so mm-hmm. that we can all come up together. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I've, I've, I've been wanting to do a podcast forever. And uh, in New York, you're just trying to be seen and heard. You know, there's so much in New York. And, yeah. um, and here uh, in Texas and Fort Worth, um, I really do think that something like this could be useful for someone out there in the in the East Texas and the West Texas areas, you know, really, I mean, why, quite honestly here in Fort Worth, um, just, you know, we could be a queer outlet for someone who does not, does, does not have that, whether it's because they don't know anyone or whether it's because they are living in a household where they can't, where maybe the only refuge they have is to put their earphones on mm-hmm. and listen to, um, to, to queer people chat or listen to, you know, queer musicians, queer comedians or something. And that's their only outlet. One of the things I like so much about Fort Worth is that there's so much space to create right now. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like you said, New York, highly competitive. Everybody's just trying to be heard. In Fort Worth, there is so much room for creativity right now. Mm -hmm. Um, There's some pretty narrow lanes right now for what has been popular or how you are or were supposed to do things, those lanes have always been pretty narrow in Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. And I think what we're seeing is a lot of different creative people, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of different nonprofits are seeing that because that narrow lane has been there, mm-hmm. that means that once you get off the road, we have so much room. Right. There's so much, there's literally so much land so here. Much <laughs> land here. So much land. And it's um, just, not being it's just not used no that's why we should take advantage of it yeah (laughs) yeah yeah um so okay when you were kind of coming up here in the fort worth area okay like how did how were you making friends 
Like, how did you make friends when, like, I mean, young Tyler? Are we? How young are we talking? Are we talking high school or twenties? Because I had two different times here. Um, let let's let's do let's do twenties. Okay. Because I think we're we're gonna do high school in episode two. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, twenties. Uh, I mean, I can tell you how I started meeting people. It's Absolutely, a great story. Absolutely. Um, I moved back when I was twenty-one. I had gone through three years of school at a very small college campus okay. in rural Kansas. Mm-hmm. Um, loved my experience there, but it also came with its caveats, that being the token gay on campus mm-hmm. and no anonymity. So I went from Mansfield, Texas, excited to go to college, explore my lifestyle, my sexuality, who I was, my identity. And I went to a small middle of nowhere place with no anonymity. Mm-hmm. And so... When I moved back, when I, I did three years there before I was like, I can't hack it. I need a break. So I moved back when I was 21. Um, I moved into Arlington because I didn't know if I wanted to live in Dallas or Fort Worth. I'd only lived in Mansfield. Um, moved into an apartment complex right next to the Whole Foods in Arlington. Okay. Um, and it was, it was, it was, it was nice. <laughs> <laughs> There was a short time period where the uh, management company went bankrupt and for three months, nobody had to pay rent. It was great. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, it was wild. Um, But the way I got clued into Fort Worth was across the parking lot, I recognized another clearly gay man. Uh And it may have been recognition. It may have been Grindr. I don't really know. Oh, great. It was. I had the Grindr on my 3GS. Was Grindr? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's wild. Grindr was that far back? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it maybe I, I mean We're it was old. I had it on my I just remember having it, um, but I meet the guy across the parking lot, and he is a dancer at the Rainbow Lounge. Okay, the and so Rainbow Lounge, yeah, and so he's a dancer at the Rainbow Lounge, which I'm like, cool. Uh, actually, um, more context. Uh, in college, uh, one of my best friends was a stripper, and that's how she paid for college. That's how she got through college without debt i knew a stripper in college yeah um and so of course meeting here meeting a dancer i'm like hell yeah this is elaine i know (laughs) (laughs) and so he's like do you want to go to the rainbow lounge with me like you got to check it out if you've never Mm -hmm. been i'm Mm -hmm. like yeah so i went i would go with him when he'd be go dancing or whatever and i'd just go hang out at the bar um and i think it was the second time i was there and i met uh i clued in with a group of guys thinking it was just a group of guys but realizing like in fort worth like it's just the group of people living here um met (laughs) right yeah Yeah. like i'm like oh this is one group no this this is is the group this is the group this This is is the group the group of people um met the uh met a lovely lovely person named chris sanders okay you know chris sanders i feel like i've heard the name Oh my gosh, I probably have met Chris Sanders. You probably I? have. I'm so sorry, Chris Sanders. He always looks very dapper. He's in a suit everywhere he goes. Okay. Um, but he is somebody who I very quickly made friends with um, and very quickly kind of guided me through getting to know everybody mm-hmm. and understanding kind of the gay community. Because previous to that, I hadn't, I would go to Kansas City, I would go to Lawrence, Kansas, but I wasn't in a gay scene Mm -hmm. i had gay college buddies but this was my first real life in like a gay scene and so very quickly kind of took me under his wing and helped me navigate things 
And it was from there that, I mean, I met everybody. It was the Rainbow Lounge. I mean, I very quickly learned that I was a Fort Worth person, not a Dallas person. Right. I visited both. I mean, I was from Kansas. Fort Worth is what I like. When I'm describing Fort Worth to to my friends in New York, I call Fort Worth the like Brooklyn to Dallas's Manhattan. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd see that. Yeah. Um, but getting to Fort Worth, very quickly realized that's my pace. That's my speed. Yeah. So I moved over here. It's a good speed. It's a good speed. Yeah. Um, and I liked how friendly everybody was. Was this before the the raid at the Rainbow Lounge? This was about two months after it. It was two months after. Yes. So for those just for those who are tuning in and don't know, in two thousand nine, which I, coincidentally on the day of the fortieth anniversary of the Stonewall riots, mm-hmm. the Rainbow Lounge in Fort Worth was raided by the Fort Worth Police Department and created its own kind of little um, revolution and revolt and um, its own moment here in Fort Worth. There's a fantastic documentary about it um, that really kind of gives insight into the pain. Called Raid of... The Fear, the Anger. Raid of the Rainbow Lounge, or The Raid of the Rainbow Lounge. Yeah. Raid of the Rainbow Lounge. Yeah. (laughs) Um, okay, so two months after. Two months. That's so cr- it wow. happened. And I was like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Where did I? Like, I just left Kansas and now mm-hmm. I'm here. Um, but I hadn't really started hanging out there yet. And so two months after, I was like, okay, you know, that's this thing. I'm kind of in the bar watching everybody, hearing about these events that are happening, but not really. I mean, I was 21, so I didn't really understand mm-hmm. what was happening. And I was new to the community. Um, so mine was mainly on like the Fridays and Saturdays is when I would go out and meet people. Um, and then the service industry. Okay. I was a waiter. And so very quickly made gay friends who were also waiters on the same routine, um, and gay people at Rainbow Lounge. Would you say that you met a lot of your friends through work? Uh, not the gay ones. The gay ones were Rainbow Lounge. I was spending all my time there. Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, we were, I mean, you're in your twenties, your early twenties as a gay man. I mean, right. you're trying to be a part of the scene, right? Yeah. You know, what yeah. about your early twenties? You weren't here. Oh. You were in New York City. I baby. was in New York City. I felt by the time I turned 21, I felt 25. Um, but, and that's because you got to New York City when you were 18. Yep. I had, I grew up a lot in between 18 and 21. And a lot of that was, uh, my parents were supportive, but they weren't sending me money. Yeah, the time. And also, I felt that the uh, I learned very quickly the uh, the do's and don'ts about sex, especially um, when that is the was the epicenter of the AIDS crisis. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you're 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 seeing people still coming out of that. I mean, I moved to New York in 2000 and you could see and f- still feel that kind of coming out like you're coming out of that crisis. I, I mean, mean, was that I mean, was that scary? Like, I mean, I it, can it imagine like, oh, it was very scary, I think. Uh, and so I was in college uh, in New York, and so there were other gay students, uh, especially that, uh, from my freshman year, 
I think all of us had that kind of same thing of like, okay, we're here now, so we can be, we're here, we're queer. Yeah. We can actually start exploring these things. But that was always a, a scare. That was always a scare. And I remember going to take my first like AIDS test and you know you have to wait two weeks for the results mm-hmm. you know back then and and I mean at that point I mean did you even really know what HIV positive would mean it, it still felt like a death I mean it, it's crazy to think now but in 2000 like the the anti the anti blah 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 the medication you know all of the, the cocktail and everything yeah was only a few years old yeah it's crazy to think that yeah um so that well now we're living in a true vada right. u equals u undetectable equals untransmissible right. world we're living in exactly now. and um but that those, those 20s were i had gay friends in college but really the friends that i made um really came out of work also I worked in theater, so I worked in a pretty gay... You worked in theater in New, New York, York City, City okay? I... Your pot was a lot bigger than mine. Yes. <laughs> I, um, you know, I went through my, like, gay New York City trials by fire. I, you know, it, yeah. Uh, a lot of those people, I mean, I still talk to, but I'm not really yeah. close friends with. There are, there's an, a good group of people that I did meet in my 20s that have become more like my family now. Mm-hmm. Um, and those include gay boys and and straight girls. But they were people who I met through like theater, through a theater job. Uh, and it wasn't until maybe like my late 20s, early 30s that I met the boys. Who, mm-hmm. who you met my friend, you know, you met them, uh, the guys. And really felt like I had like a good like gay group of friends and um the i mean i've always had gay friends and you know still near and dear to me have you always had girlfriends too yes and and that's that's just even when i was younger that was just i i just felt more comfortable hanging out with girls but that's also because i there were growing up in east texas there weren't any other boys that oh listen i know yeah you know, and so the I was closest. very quickly on the girl's side of the recess playground. Right. You know, I, I, I think I think a lot of queer men find that safety in um, female energy and mm-hmm. women. But I think that a lot of I would think we see a lot of gay men who once they hit their 20s and they hit the scene, they don't really prioritize those female friendships anymore. Right. And. In New York. In, in in that scene. So this was still, like, the Roxy was still a thing. Like mm-hmm. this, You know, the circuit party was never my thing. I was also, you know... Was it already happening by then? Oh, I'm I mean, it was. it was always... Yeah. It's always been there. Um, I mean... I, I mean, w- that's born probably born out of, like... Exactly. Rave culture. Yeah. Disco. Club kids, disco, whatever, all that. It's all yeah. of that stuff. Um, I, I, I didn't fit into that world. So it's not like I... Um, I didn't really like going to gay bars... Um, because I just, I, I didn't fit in and it was nice being able to have, um, girlfriends. Also, I had a great group of straight guy friends in college. I called them the straight brigade and it was really, it was, I was, I loved hanging out with them. And one of them lives here in, in, in Fort Worth. Um, so it was really, really great. Um, 
you know, moving back here after all of those, I mean, after being, you know, 19 years in New York, you, you essentially create a, you're a family. I had no family up there. So my friends were my family. Yeah. Um, so I was scared to move back here. I, I mean, uh, the Fort Worth that I came back to is the Fort Worth is a different Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, it's a different Fort Worth than when I moved here. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, again, I'm, I'm 40 years old. I have no kind of interest in having to relive the bar scene again to try to make friends. Um, well, I, I think you have a different entry point now. Exactly. Um, I mean, I remember trying to, I mean, the only gay friend that I had here um, was a former fuck buddy. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> listen, there is something to be said oh, for that connection. And we, we, I mean, we're still friends. And you never know when that connection might be very in handy. Yeah. I mean, but I, I'm a planner. So I had a, a, a sense of like, I had a dear friend from high school. She lived here and, and, um, I've known you know, for years that she's always posting pictures on Facebook with mm-hmm. um, with her very handsome uh, gay friend. So I was like, OK, she's got a friend and I'm going to track him down. I'm going to like I'm going to hang out with them. <laughs> He's going to be my gay friend. He's really cute, too. So who knows? And I just remember my best friend, Jen, going, wait. So you already have a target? <laughs> and I went, and you're like, I'm a queer man. Absolutely. I was like, I need to find my angle here. Yeah. Um, because is, we're not easily marked. You know, right. like queerness is not something that people can. I mean, so not everybody wears it on their shoulder. And uh, some people, some people can't hide it. But also some people actively try to and and they can move through society easier when they do. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, once you once you meet someone, you know, they're queer, especially going into a new space. It's like, hey, hey, me too. Right. Me too. (laughs) Right. And which is why I felt very fortunate when I met you. And I'm really glad that we like clicked very early on. Also, because I I needed someone to kind of like vomit out all of my anxieties with my family mm-hmm. like moving back i mean also like the the mind fuck of moving back into your teenage bedroom during a global pandemic mm-hmm. um when also my niece came to stay with us for mm-hmm. eight months um and not enjoying my job and trying to find well you came from a career yeah you went from a career to a job yeah um having to kind of get used to this life that I left behind to come back. And then, and then time basically stops. Yeah. Yeah. You got stalled out. Exactly. Um, but through you meeting, it's been so great meeting people here. And um, I think it's very interesting that in the last couple, uh, really since the beginning of this year, we have been kind of out in the community more, mm-hmm. more so than we have been the last two years. Yeah. And meeting and being introduced to other guys our age mm-hmm. who are like, I, we've just, we don't really go out and we just didn't know how to make friends. Yeah. So that's, I mean, we had a conversation yesterday with someone, mm-hmm. you know. Um, well, and that's some of the complexities of Fort Worth. I mean, some of the best friends I've made in Fort Worth were living here just as long as I did, but we didn't meet until seven years of living here. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of where Trinity Pride came into play mm-hmm. is we had we have gay bars. We had 
the Rainbow Lounge. We had Jennings Street. We have Jennings Street. We have Reflections. We have Liberty Lounge now. But at the time, it was 515, Rainbow Lounge, Reflections. And it was the block. You know, Urban was best friends. It was the lesbian bar. But damn, it was fun. Um, (laughs) And one of the best views in town. But that was then a kind of a centering space. And then somewhere somewhere along the way it kind of it kind of lost a little bit of that mm-hmm. and it was um i think it was when we lost the rainbow lounge um you know the 515 was there but it hadn't turned into the rainbow their liberty lounge yet um and so a lot of a lot of fort worth and i think it comes i think it's probably a very queer spirit experience in other cities was friend groups was circles of people who didn't necessarily go to the gay bars all the time, but they moved together. Mm-hmm. They moved with their group to dinners, to bars, to whatever. Um, and that's how my friend group react. That's how we moved in New York. There was a there was a, a point where once like the boys that we kind of like once we kind of gelled a little bit more, it became less about going to a bar mm-hmm. and became more about hanging out having fun together yeah at apartments going to see i mean going to see shows going to movies going to din- like going to dinner yeah i will uh, like give me three hours drinking wine you know shooting the shit mm-hmm. kikiing over dinner over a gay over i won't say a gay bar over a but, bar in general but there was a time where that would be boring there was a time for me when I was in my 20s that I was like, that sounds terrible. Take me out. Right. You know? Right. Um, but I think, yeah, I think now, I mean, I, I think I think that also speaks to, though, your friendships. Mm-hmm. Is you had, have other male, other gay men that you trusted mm-hmm. and you could count on. Mm-hmm. And they weren't just people you had met that you had to keep a veneer up with. You had to keep up a facade of mm-hmm. like, I need to keep them interested or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you had gone through things with these friends and you were able to rely on them. Right. You can do that in those safe spaces mm-hmm. with the people you trust and you feel comfortable with. Right. And then and then made f- going to the bars more fun because you'd go to a group. Yeah. You'd go as a group. And also these weren't people that I wanted to have sex with. Yeah. Because that's also something that can get a little... It's a lovely part of the gay male experience. <laughs> Friend or fuck. Right. You know, every new person, it's it's that experience of, oh, this person is attractive. Um, is this a potential? Because listen, the odds are stacked against us. Our numbers are not great. Mm-hmm. We are a certain percentage of the community of at large. And so, you know, you see someone attractive and you're like, oh, is this a potential partner? Is this a potential date? Is this a potential hookup or whatever? Um because a lot of us are looking for affection. Mm-hmm. A lot of us haven't found, you know, or had the experiences of a lot of affection or romance or whatever, but just simply because of our experiences. And so we we see these people and we're like, oh, is this potential? But I know for me personally, because when I did move back to Fort Worth, I was so alone, was I was desperate for friends. And I knew that with sex, that... There and there were there were plenty of guys that I wanted 
to fuck around with. But I knew that that would then possibly shorten our experience together. Mm -hmm. You know, like, yes, it could be fun. Yes, friends with benefits, whatever. But what I really needed or wanted was the intimacy of a friend, mm -hmm. someone I could trust, well, but, someone who would have my back. Well, and, I mean, and not just in the in the queer community, but just in the in the heterosexual community, just at at large, no one really ever talks about the how it is okay to have these kind of emotional connections between men that are not sexual. Yeah, it, it is. It is okay. Yeah, and. It's okay to show feelings besides anger and... Exactly. Yeah. And to be able to express that. And I think that sometimes I, I, within the gay men community, you know, um, I, I'm not going to speak for, for, for other... Uh, queer experiences. Queer experiences. Um, to be able to just sit there and be like, exactly, friend or fuck. Like, mm -hmm. you know, it is okay to just like want to like hug this person to show affection and it not be something that is sexual. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a challenge we still face. Cause then well, it's like, and there's a, and I don't know if this is an age thing, but I did have a, uh, I did have someone here in, in the Fort Worth area. Um, when, when, you know, you and I like, we're starting to hang out. Um, I don't know why I'm saying it. it's that fuck buddy. Yeah. <laughs> that fuck buddy. Um, when when you and I were hanging out and, you know, he was just like, oh, so you and Tyler are getting close. I'm like, yeah, it's been really cool. It's really great. Because so do you like him? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, no, but do you like him? Like, I'm yeah. like, well, but it's not that. He goes, oh, OK, yeah, right. I'm like, no, no, it's not that. That's, yeah. you know, and that's also like those. Um, there is a certain mindset. I'm not saying that that's just his, you know. Like, oh, it's the it's, I mean, it's the assumption I think a lot of men make. I think it's the assumption that, um, I mean, I don't know. I, I think it's a, I think it's the assumption that a lot of men make. I think it's a lot of, it's a superficial assumption. Yeah, exactly. Um, but listen, I'm a good wingman. You're I, a hell of a good I'm, wingman. I'm a good wingman. Like yeah. there is nothing I like better than helping my friends get sexy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Absolutely. I will cheer you yeah. on. I will. I mean, I'm basically your madam. Well, and that's the thing, too, with I think a, I think a good friendship is it's not a competition. And I think being in the gay male scene, we are in such a meat market because, you know, we are making friendships a lot of the times with the men that we're attracted to or in the same areas where we're looking for partners. Mm hmm. And so then it almost becomes, or not almost, becomes this competition of trying to find somebody, you know, trying to compete with the people around you, which doesn't really go well with friendship. No. You know, like, um, yeah. Yeah. It's just, it, it, it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, very early on, I told people, I'm like, no, I don't want to fuck Tyler. Yeah. Thanks, man. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Um, is there anything else? I mean, friendships? I mean, I just, I don't know. I mean, we're, listen, this is the first podcast. I'm just now realizing like, you know, we did all this prep work and we're like, this is what I want to say. But I'm like, 
But she's our 45 minute episodes and we have a lot we, to say. We have a lot to say, I think. So I'm like, this I'm what I'm realizing is all the messages, all the feelings and whatever we want to express, they're gonna come out. Yep. We're not gonna be able to like one, they're we're not gonna be able to temper it. And if we try to temper it, it's gonna be lame. But they're gonna come out <laughs> as we have these conversations yep. and we talk with people of different experiences, of similar experiences, you know, the messages of support the mm-hmm. messages of um of, of wanting to help each other and wanting to learn from each other and um love people mm-hmm. in an authentic way i think that's going to come out naturally i don't think we have to say right every every feeling and every, every message feeling. we want to send out yeah well it's it's that kind of thing that they that we tell like actors and singers and and anyone like well you you take in the inf- when you say we prepared because we did mm-hmm. we did you have your laptop right there have my ipad in front of me and which i looked at did i look at it i don't know if i looked at no it because ever. i mean the screen's dark now yeah it did die, the screen, oh, it died. <laughs> i thought you were just like you i don't no, know like, you, you know the bitch can't keep her phone charged or her computer so charged. i know what i was gonna say is they what they tell actors and singers is like look you know the material yeah get up on that stage and just yeah. Go for it, yeah. you know. Go for it, and because um, what's important is that it's it's you know it's coming from the heart, you know. You because you want to feel well, it, and right? I'm I want to see what it becomes. Yeah. If we try to create something that we know, we're going to be limited by our experience. Right. I want to see where we go. Right, and I think that's what's exciting, and what we have hopefully planned. In the, I mean, what we have planned in the future is that you know we'll have people from you know different queer perspectives and experiences um, and really just kind of really digging into what that means, you know, in Texas um, and how that shapes. Yeah. How that shapes people's choices. Yeah. Living here. Well, and and, in their perspectives, because I mean, yes, there is the, the larger queer conversation, but there is a lot of nuance and experience that has to happen because we are trying to exist and celebrate and mm-hmm. love and support each other in a space that, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes creates some barriers. Yep. I will say the pleasant surprise of my life at coming back here is this kind of queer community that is here in Fort Worth. Yeah. Uh, this is not... Where I thought I would be <laughs> doing a moving to Texas to do a queer podcast, doing a queer podcast. But you know, I the one thing that so Lady Bunny DJed my going away party, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, Lady a Bunny, humble brag, a humble brag, <laughs> a humble brag. But uh, Lady Bunny has DJed several of uh, events that I have thrown for for uh, the two jobs that uh, I had in New York. And um, what Bunny said to me at my going away party was, sometimes you have to go back home to find what you want. And I think that this, this little podcast that we're doing, this little podcast. This little podcast. Is sort of. And we don't mean that in the condescending way. No, but I think that's sort of kind of where I'm starting to understand what Bunny said. Yeah. There's room here. There's room. Who knew? <laughs> um, shall we end with a with a little queer cultural touchstone? 
Uh, yeah. Yeah. Do you have one, or should I give con? Should I give context to what sh- what it should? Be? Um. Uh, no, I have a good one. Okay. One of uh, one of a co- a queer cultural touchstone that has helped me connect to many a queer man mm-hmm. um, throughout my twenties uh, would absolutely be Drop Dead Gorgeous. <gasps> <laughs> Um, for those that don't know, uh, Drop Dead Gorgeous is a mockumentary style, Mm -hmm. much in the style of Waiting for Guffman or The Office, for example, um, about a small town beauty pageant in Montrose, Minnesota, (laughs) uh, starring Mm -hmm. the fabulous cast of the likes of Kirsten Dunst. Mm -hmm. Brittany Murphy, mm-hmm. Denise Richards, mm-hmm. uh, Ellen Barkin, Ellen Barkin, Kirstie Alley, is Allison Janney? Allison Janney, God, yeah, most smartest, most um, smartest. And then is that is it Amy Adams who plays the cheerleader? I confused the blonde, the skinny white redheads. Uh, I, I I'll be honest. Okay, I've seen it. Okay. The people that love it, love it. I have love it. And there's just something about just dropping a little Minnesotan, Mm -hmm. Minnesotan quote. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like, oh, she lives two doors down. Don't trust her. They know who they are. They they know who they are. If they got to the end of this podcast, I'm I'm referring to them right now. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, yeah, that for me and I, the reason it's queer, I don't know. I think it's one, all the different feminine archetypes in it mm-hmm. um you have plenty of bitch roles mm-hmm. so you have plenty of women just like mm-hmm. cutting it up um of course the accents um yeah i don't know the hats at the pageant the hats at the it's a pageant it's a i mean pageant. what's queerer than a pageant right um so and how how has that how have you connected with I mean, you just 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 the back and forth again as you meet people, you know, in passing and you're not, you know, as you're trying to meet someone in an authentic way. I think being able to laugh together, Mm -hmm. being able to realize that you have the same humor or Mm -hmm. you find the same thing funny Mm -hmm. is such a quick in with somebody to be like, oh, we have something in common. We can laugh together. Mm -hmm. That to me, that was always I don't know. It was just a really great, great. The people that I connected to on that are people that I then could. I don't know. There are people that I'm still friends with. I don't know no, what no, this no, did no. Yeah. for me. Drop yeah. dead gorgeous. No, I like I like I said, I have um two friends, probably a little bit more, uh, but like two friends that I'm specifically thinking about and referring to right now. Like yeah. they love it. What they about you? It. What's what's one of your So mine and and I today. Today, well, one. there's but, plenty of there's Plenty. But um mine that really kind of in terms of I feel kind of set my mind on what I feel what I think gay friendships are for me uh, is the Broken Hearts Club. Oh, that was one of the Netflix DVDs. Oh, really? That I that you had to sneak in. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents didn't know about. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And so, Broken Hearts Club was, I believe, it came out in 2000. So it was my first year in New York. Mm-hmm. So 2000, 2001. And I mean, you know, I knew. Wait, that. no. I let me correct. It was not a Netflix DVD in the mail. That was absolutely a VHS that I had mm-hmm. that I, I had snuck into the house. Yes. The DVDs, the Netflix DVDs were happening when I was in college. I was sneaking in VHSs. VHS. In the house. Yeah, absolutely. With, um, I mean, it's problem- he's problematic now. So but- problematic. <laughs> Dean Kane. 
Superman. But who else? There's there's more people. Oh, I mean, it is a it is a plethora. Like Timothy yeah. Olymphant. Timothy, yes, that's um, one of the main ones. Dean Cain, Zach Braff. Zach Braff is the one that I always forget about until he drops it in an interview, and I'm like, oh fuck, I forgot about that. Yes. Uh, is it John Mahoney? Uh, yes. Fraser's dad. Yes. Um, a skipper from Sex and the City from the first. No, season. I'm not familiar. Um, he plays. Ah, uh, it was such a. Uh, it's the line that John Mahoney says to him that um, some guys are just normal and they have it the hardest. And I, I could be making, I could be yeah. completely butchering the, the line. And um, but that that scene where I'm like that, like, oh, that gets me. Uh, Matt McGrath, Justin Thoreau. Oh, yeah. Having Justin Thoreau and Timothy Oliphant in the mm-hmm. same movie. God, it was just, it was such a hot movie. To a young gay man, I was like, first of all, it was like a story that wasn't just sex bakes. Like it was talking about this friend group and mm-hmm. the softball team or whatever. But God, they were all so dreamy. A- Andrew, is it Andrew McKeon? I don't the, know. The, the, the young guy that wasn't into Dean Kane. See, you have a much closer touchstone right. to it than I do. I saw it a couple times with in secret in hiding. Mm-hmm. In high school. <laughs> so, and it was directed by Greg Berlanti. And Greg Berlanti would go on to uh, write and direct Love Simon. Oh. But he was also a writer and executive producer on this very, very uh, one of the earlier WB shows called Jack and Bobby that starred Christine mm. Lottie, which I loved and was only one season. But he was also a writer and executive producer on Brothers and Sisters. Oh, on man. ABC. Yeah. And uh, he did this miniseries on USA called Political Animals, which was kind of like a Hillary-esque, uh, I'm sorry, a, a Clinton-esque thing. But they had a gay son played by Sebastian Stan. And Ooh. Sebastian Stan was making out with boys and Hell I yeah. loved it. And I'm like, Greg Berlanti is a hero. <laughs> is a hero. Doing the Lord's he work doing for doing the Lord's community. work. And now he's just been doing all of this, all of the DC comic shows on the CW. I'm like, yeah. yes, queer representation and superheroes. Uh, so yeah, Broken Hearts Club. Yeah. Oh, and Billy Porter's in it. Oh yeah! Bill, I, I forgot lo- that. One of my one of my favorite moments in that movie is Billy Porter is having a breakdown at a party, oh, yeah. and they're trying to play him some <laughs> gay music, and they're like Celine, and he goes in hell. <laughs> Billy Porter. Iconic, 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 iconic. Yeah. Um. All right, sir. I think that's our first episode. We just wrapped up our first episode. Yeah. I'm so excited. Should I do the official? Yeah. Do it. Uh, thank you for listening. Go rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to check us out on all podcast platforms. Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Wherever podcasts you get your podcasts. I feel like Nicole Byer. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, we yeah. did it. We, we did, did it, it, friend. We did it. All right. Well, um, yeah. And then uh, I hope you'll join us for our Yes, we're episode. really excited. We're going to dig kind of deeper into kind of... Our origin story, again, coming up gay for both of us. We really want y'all to really understand kind of our identity and kind of our perspective because we're limited by it. You know, we're going to be bringing people in. And so we want to give a good base of who we are so that as we are learning together, you kind of understand where we're coming from. Or as our hot producer, Paul says, establish our dominance. (laughs) And with that, when he said establish your dominance. Stop it. Stop it. He's going to have he's going to edit this. He is going to edit this. All right. (laughs) Bye. Peace out.